You are listening to The Pause Podcast with Dr. Benji Epstein, a podcast where we'll be giving ourselves the permission to pause. This will be a practical guide to live a life with courage, presence, and authenticity. Reconnect with your most soulful and authentic self by pausing together. All right, welcome back to this episode of Pause or the Pausecast. Maybe we should do a poll because I'm still torn about whether or not is it Pause or the Pausecast. So if you have any thoughts about that, please let me know. Also, we're working on the swag. Well, I'm working on the swag, but we've definitely picked out our colors. So we're going to keep, uh, keep you posted on that. Bumper stickers. One of the stories that I write about in my book is I was watching many uh, Gilgulim ago, many lifetimes ago, and I saw a commercial of a father and his young daughter, and they're sitting on a field, and they're watching this majestic sunset as the sun sets beyond or under the mountains, over the mountains. (laughs) And as the sun is just slowly going down, dipping towards invisibility, the father turns to his daughter and says, going, going, gone. And when the sun has disappeared, there's a pause in the commercial. And the daughter turns to her dad and says, do it again, daddy. I'm pretty sure it was a Lifesavers commercial. Is that still a candy? Uh, They are not a sponsor yet, but they can be. So a few years later, you know, that memory was a real, it was one of those, you know, wow, it was very powerful. So that memory was so clearly in my thoughts. And I was with my, uh, my four, three, four-year-old daughter then. We were talking about her just before, a Derrett. We were on the balcony. Maybe it wasn't a Derrett. It might've been a Dasa. You're going to meet everybody at some point. And uh, we're on a 12th floor balcony of an apartment facing the Mediterranean and the sun is setting and it is absolutely beautiful. So I was anticipating my own do it again daddy moment. Just something that she would always remember and tell her own children about. And much to my chagrin, as the sun did ultimately beautifully set below the horizon, Here I was waiting for it, the big payoff. She turns to me and asks, why don't trees grow up to the sky? And I was shocked. I was disappointed that that was your response to this. That's all I was going to get. But I held on. I was machzik mamad, right? This was going to be a transformative moment in her life. And I said, do you see that? Did you just see what we just witnessed? Wasn't it beautiful? And she said, yeah how come they just don't keep growing? And then like she always does and will continue to do is she asks her dad and then she just went to go ask her mother. I was left deflated. Like what did I do wrong? The sunset was as magnificent as it always had been. And the fault had to be, we always have to blame someone, right? If it's not going to be our fault, we got to blame somebody. And the fault really was that my expectation of was what I had wanted to transpire versus what was actually transpiring. Because what I had done and what we're going to be paying attention to today, what 
we're often doing is superimposing our own expectations, our own biases, our own needs and wants onto the moment. And that completely stops us from being unable to appreciate and relish the wonder of that question that was actually illuminating that moment. When we get down to it, when we start to really pay attention, when we start to bring more mindfulness into our lives, the first painful sounds a little too intense, but it might be the right word to describe it. The first painful realization is we're rarely experiencing things as they actually are. Because everything, everything that we see and everything that we feel is going to be colored by our own thoughts, our memories, our beliefs, our biases, our expectations. And so I went into this beautiful, amazing, magical experience being so fixated on having the type of experience that I had imagined, that I had anticipated, that it stopped me from appreciating the wonder and the uniqueness of the reality that actually was, which every time I think about it and I share it with you, in retrospect, was pretty, pretty good. And one of my favorite lines from the book and something that I think about often is that we are always expecting when we could be accepting. One more time for that bumper sticker. If you want to make t-shirts, let me know. We are always expecting when we could be accepting. And so what we're talking about today is the way to get past this barrier. And in some traditions, it's called beginner's mind. But in our spiritual tradition, it's an attitudinal quality that we're cultivating, a kavana, an intention, which is called living with chiddush, chidush, which comes from the Hebrew root word chadash, new, and means innovation or revelation. And this practice of chiddush, of beginner's mind, is the cultivation of an ability to see things without preconceived interpretations, to know that one does not know and to appreciate what is rather than what might be. And this kavana, this intention, this beginner's mind, this chiddush is both humbling and it's also liberating. It's humbling in that we admit we rarely know exactly what things are. Don't know. Hey, you come into my office and you're 18 years old and you feel overwhelmed because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing with your life and you've been led to believe that you're supposed to have it figured out. Don't know. What a liberating and humbling experience to know that you're rarely seeing things as they actually are and even if we're looking at staring right at them. I'm looking at you. I don't know you. I'd love to get to know you better. But to really know someone, to know what they love and to know why they hurt, that's a real investment. And to know ourselves, to know ourselves without veil, and what a liberating experience that is. To begin to see things and more importantly, to see ourselves and the people who we love as they truly are. 
And in so many of these meditative traditions, this mindset is critical. It's critically important to attaining higher states of consciousness and deeper states of compassion. But for us, for the Jewish spiritual seekers who are seeking again transformation, this mindset is going to form the basis, is going to form the the soil for cultivating a life of Jewish mindfulness, of Yishuv Hadas. And again, we have to go back to our traditional sources. We always go back to the beginning because the beginning contains everything. And for our beliefs and how we see and we've been taught of how God created the world, we know that it was done, yesh me'ayin, a creative act that was done from absolute nothingness. So creating something from nothingness requires an act that is unlike anything that you and I can imagine. Um, It required God, divinity, to imbue some part of himself into the creative process. And we know that through 10 utterances, Asara Mamarot, Nivra Olam, God created the world through 10 utterances of creation, let there be light, let there be a firmament, or Akiya Bashamayim. And those utterances, according to Jewish mysticism and our spiritual traditions, they constitute the building blocks of creation. But they weren't just the blueprint, they weren't just the directive but they also formed and became the reality that they articulated. So when God says these words, when God announces or pronounces these words, those words, those utterances become clothed in the universe and those are a direct, constant infusion from God into our reality. So there's this aspect of the infinite becoming imbued, mishtalshel, into the finite. And what these utterances are, I think in one of Rav Steinzals' book, he calls them the sustaining utterances. The sustaining utterances continue to generate the universe at every moment. Everything, everyone, every being is made vital and sustained through these utterances and their permutations. The letters of God's speech are subsequently clothed in every aspect of creation. And we see this alluded to, and those who study Tanya are hopefully nodding their head right now. We see this alluded to by uh, King David, once again in Tehillim, where he says, Your words stand in the heavens forever. And these words and letters aren't just said once. They're perpetually receiving a current, a flow of energy, of shefa, of or, from their divine source and transforming it into the existence that we see, the sky that we're looking at, the table that's right in front of us, the people who we love and need to be reminded over and over how much we love them. All of reality as we know it is a function directly resulting from these words, every Every aspect of this world is dependent at every second on this invigorating life force and energy coming at every moment from God. And the flip side of that is if these letters, these words, if these utterances were to be retracted for even a moment, 
for a split second, if for one second these letters were just winked out of existence, right? Not half of existence, all of existence. Everything would cease to be just as it was before the world existed. Tohu vavohu. Chaos. Darkness. It wouldn't merely falter. It would disintegrate into the nothingness, the no-thingness, that prevailed before these words were even uttered. And this doesn't just apply to the physical world, but extends from the most spiritual of realms, the highest levels of Atsilus, of Adam Kadmon, of all these Kabbalistic spheres, to the smallest particle. If for the smallest fragment of time these letters of existence were to cease, then all would cease to be. So by cultivating this mindset, and it's so critical at the beginning of our journey to bring attention to it and seeing how we can apply it into our lives, this beginner's mind of living with Chiddush is an orientation to bring to the present moment because this moment, with this belief, with this knowledge, it's always fresh. It's always new. We've never been in this one before, and yet we're bringing so many ideas and attitudes and biases to every moment that all of these serve as filters to actually allowing ourselves much of the time to see things as if for the first time. Imagine bringing your awareness to your children with beginner's mind so that you actually see them, not through the lenses of your ideas and fears and opinions about your children, your thoughts about your children, the miracle of them, the amazing nature of them. And what about bringing that lens to yourself? And this is something that we can bring to any moment that we have. Sometimes we're so experts that our minds are full of, you know, our expertise. But, and this is something that really has been sensitized to me through John Kabat-Zinn's work, it leaves us without any realm for novelty, for new possibilities. And uh, Shinrayo Suzuki, uh, I think, says it most succinctly, that in the mind of the expert, there are few possibilities. But in the beginner's mind, there are infinite possibilities infinite possibilities. This moment is a moment of eternity. It's nitzchi. Infinite possibilities because we come to it, we come to it fresh. So it's kind of a discipline and much of what we're doing, all of what we're doing, is a discipline, is a practice to remind ourselves, to try to bring beginner's mind to every aspect of our lives and not be so stuck in our ideas and opinions about how much we like this or don't like that or being so focused on the outcome of a particular situation, how we want it to be a certain way. When we come to the things and the people in our life with this freshness, what ends up happening is it has a tremendous transformative quality. And when you bring it to ourselves... And to the people in our lives when we're open and spacious with them. And we don't insist that we or they need to be the way they were two years ago or even half an hour ago. It allows them. 
It allows us to feel seen and recognized and met in a way that they might not otherwise experience. And it benefits them and it benefits us. And we say, right? Return us back to you, to yourself. And we shall return. Renew our days of old. Right? Our days of old and the Jewish spiritual works speak about how we must believe and trust that in every single moment we are being revived and sustained by our Creator. And this is what our rabbis taught us when they said, Kol Haneshama Tahalel Yah. Let everything that has breath praise you, God. Gracious Rabbah says, With each and every breath. Praise God. I'll call Nishima Unishima. Every breath is your praise. Each moment there's a vital force that is almost seeking to leave the body, and yet every moment on the renewed in-breath. Here we go again. There's a renewed energy. And from this we understand that every person has this capacity to experience living with this mind state of chuva of return, return to the beginning. In that moment, a person is able to transform themselves because you're believing in the possibility that you are once again becoming a new creation. And so you could start over. And it calls our attention to this attitudinal quality of beginner's mind, of chiddush, that is contained in every breath because as we attend to our breath we realize that every inhalation is a gift and with each breath we're renewed our bodies refreshed with with oxygen and there's an unconscious unspoken fear that what happens if we don't breathe again and once again we're reclaiming our ability to be in this world and this belief, this simple experience can be transforming. With every breath, with every new breath, I'm renewed, I'm made new. How humbling, how transformative, how liberating. We're not trapped in our habitual reactions. We're not stuck in the unskillful behavior that we may have been stuck in for days, months, even years. We can wake up at every single moment. Any moment can become this moment of transformation. And now, our rabbis teach us, is an allusion to the process of tshuva. And now, and now, and now. And now, over and over, we are offered another moment in which we can transform our hearts, our minds, our intentions, and our lives. And how can we be awake to this belief, to this knowledge? And one step in that path is to develop the awareness that each new moment can be one of renewal. And the promise that even now, no matter where you might find yourself, we can be released from our mental slavery, which we are seeking to emancipate. And they, hey, these are the parshias that we're reading right now. We're leaving Egypt, that personal bondage. We can be redeemed from exile. That is 
that is truly a gift. It is possible to transform ourselves and our lives because right now is a brand new moment. Instead of finishing with a um, meditation, I just want to finish with one of my favorite Hasidic stories. Stop me if you heard this one. So there are two famous brothers, the holy Rebeli Melch of Lezhensk and his brother Rebzusha. Shout out to uh, the boys in Zusha. Who, uh, let's get them on. So Rebeli Melech of Lezhensk and Rebzusha of Anapoli, they would impose this exile upon themselves. They would go incognito. They would disguise themselves as simple peasants to somehow connect to the exile that the divine present feels, this, the galut of the Shekhinah. So posing as simple beggars and just, you know, mingling with the common folk and really connecting to their experiences. And once in a while, they would find themselves with some uh, unsavory character types, uh, some ruffians. And in the course of this journey, the entire company of these uh, less uh, civilized folk, these ruffians, they were accused of being thieves and they were thrown into jail. And being the tzaddikim, being the righteous that they were, the brothers humbly accepted that this was what was decreed upon them from heaven and went to jail with their uh, unsavory group characters. And accepting their predicament, went to jail. But as the day progressed, as it began to, you know, they could see through the window of the jail cell that the uh, sun was beginning to set. and suddenly Rebzusha begins to sob uncontrollably. And his brother, Rebeli Melch, turns to him a little surprised. He says, well, brother, why are you crying? You know that we're going to have a swift and speedy salvation from this prison cell if that is what God wants. And if, if not, this is where we're going to be. And Rebzusha just looked at his brother and he said, no, you're, you're misunderstanding. I'm confident we're going to be redeemed soon. But look out the window, the sun setting. It's time for the afternoon prayer. It's time for mincha. And he pointed to a bucket that was serving as the cell's toilet in this, you know, they were sort of in that holding cell. It's forbidden to pray in the presence of, of excrement. You can't, we can't pray in, in the presence of a bathroom, right? How am I supposed to daven? How am I supposed to pray mincha? And Rebbe Melech placed his hands on his brother's shoulder and said to him gently, Ah, my brother, smiling broadly, you're right. You can't daven right now. You can't pray right now because the Jewish law forbids it. But why are you crying? Why weep? You know that the same God who commanded you to pray mincha, to daven mincha, also commanded you not to pray when you're in a room that's unfit for prayer. By not praying right now in this room, you've also achieved a connection with God. And it might not be the connection that you had initially thought you were going to make. But if you truly want that divine connection, here is the opportunity that God has presented for you at this moment to obey his law, no matter how it presents itself. <sighs> Ribzusha immediately overcome with joy, exclaims, ha ha, my brother, you're right. And so energized by his brother's words, he just 
completely banishes all feelings of sadness. He grabs his brother's arm and they begin to dance with joy and soon caught up in the fervor, the entire cell filled with the dregs, the absolute dregs of society join in this fervor, dancing and singing with the joy that these brothers were, were spreading just dancing around this pail and hearing the commotion one of the guards comes running in stop this commotion and pulls aside one of the inmates and says what's going on here and the prisoner says i i, I don't know I, I i'm not really sure all i know and pointed to the two brothers those two jews were discussing the pail in the corner and they began to dance around it and we all just sort of joined in is that right scoffs the guard they're ecstatic because of that pail you know what? I'll show them. Take the pail out right now from this cell. The pail was promptly removed and the brothers began their preparation for the afternoon prayers. May we all be blessed to live with this intention and with this ability to know that every single moment contains infinite possibilities. Thank you so much for pausing with me. Looking forward to doing it again real soon. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve'amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And of course, to see more content from Pause, you can sign up for our WhatsApp status. Hit the link in the description where we post content every day throughout the day. Content from Dr. Epstein and others. Thank you for listening.